Good morning. So good to see you this morning. We're in Matthew 5 again, Matthew 5. Uh, we've been studying through the Sermon on the Mount and uh, kind of creeping through this section because there's so much here uh, that, that is so important for us as we live our lives, as we're daily striving, as, as Ken said, to be like Christ. Uh, and so we're going to be taking our time through this section. We will pick up. We're not going to be in Matthew for five or six years. Hopefully, uh, <laughs> this will be more like a year and a half, two years. But uh, we may take a break at some point if, uh, if I feel like it's getting to be too much. But we're going to finish the Sermon on the Mount for sure uh, before we take a break on Matthew. So uh, we'll be in Matthew five thirty-three through 37 this morning. Um, we live in a world that likes to fabricate reality. Uh, as we uh, are at home, as we're out and about, we see a lot of fabrication, don't we? And advertisements, and, and, and there's, there's people who make millions fabricating stories that we in, in flocks go to the movie theater to watch, right? All that is is a bunch of fabrication, a bunch of uh, fantasy creation uh, that, that we enjoy and we spend our money on. Uh, and in all of those stories, what do we see happen? We see, you know, a bad guy, a good guy. The good guy always wins, unless it's just this really twisted story that we don't really like. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the good guy wins almost all the time. And, and, and we see always these happy, uh, beautiful people uh, who have some struggle, but they always come out of it and everything's good and happy. And, and man, we want this in our lives, don't we? As, we? as we see these stories, that's why we watch them. We enjoy the idea that we can have that kind of life, that things can go well for us. And we feel whenever things struggle, we feel some of the same struggles in our lives. So uh, we, we, we relate to a lot of these fabricated stories. But sometimes, you know, we, we try to see ourselves as the good guy. Uh, in these stories, right? We, we see ourselves as the hero, as the good guy, the one who is, is in the right, the one who everybody would be on my side uh, if they were watching the story of my life. And so we, in order to, to accomplish this, we do a little fabrication ourselves, don't we? The way that we look at our lives, we, we kind of tend to overlook the flaws or the mistakes that we make, or we try to justify them, or we try to hide them under the rug and, and still act like we're the good guy and everything's good in our lives and, and we're okay. Uh, and, and so we might bend the truth. Uh, we might cheat. We might exaggerate. Uh, we might uh, fail to keep our promises. So, so what if we, we, we flatter in order to, to get something or we betray confidence of somebody? I mean, we're still the good guy. We make excuses. We tell half-truths. We tell white lies, but we're still the good guy, right? <laughs> Is that okay? Are we still the good guy? Uh, you know, we, we might think we are. And so we're going to talk about this this morning. Uh, we're going to talk about lying and oaths this morning and try to understand uh, what Jesus is getting at as he brings up this subject in the Sermon on the Mount. So far in the Sermon on the Mount, we've seen Jesus uh, tell us about those who are going to be in the kingdom, those who are humble and pursuing righteousness. And he says that they are going to be more righteous than the scribes and Pharisees and the way they live their lives. Uh, scribes and Pharisees are teaching, you shall not murder. And Jesus says, don't be angry with your brother. Scribes and Pharisees are teaching, you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus says, don't even lust after a woman. Scribes and Pharisees are teaching, if you, give a, if you, if you get a divorce, you better give your wife a certificate so that she can go marry somebody else, essentially. And Jesus says, no, 
don't divorce your spouse. If you, if you divorce your spouse, you're causing her to commit adultery and the one that she's with to commit adultery, unless it's for sexual morality. That's the only exception. So Jesus uh, as, is using Scripture in all of these to help us understand why the scribes and Pharisees are wrong in what they're saying. And he's helping us understand the greater righteousness that, that God really wants his people to have. Well, in all of these things, we can kind of, I, I can relate to the scribes and Pharisees. Uh, as, I'm, as I'm going through and kind of studying all this, I'm like, man, it's so much easier to preach against murder when I probably don't have any murderers in the audience, and I'm not a murderer. It's easy to preach against adultery, maybe no adulterers, and I'm not an adulterer, right? It's easy to preach uh, divorce in a very gentle way that doesn't offend anybody. But you start talking about anger, you start talking about lust, and you start talking about uh, any, di- any divorce being wrong that's not for that reason, and you're stepping on people's toes, and I'm stepping on my own toes. Well, how much more this topic of lying and, and oaths, uh, how much more will this step on our toes? Let's start with Matthew 5:33 and see what the Pharisees and scribes have been teaching. He says, Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. Now, scribes and Pharisees have been teaching something very solid here. Do not swear falsely. We would say, yes, amen, good job. Uh, but, but what they connect to the latter part of that is more significant than I've really realized before. They say, but you shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. That's what they add to that. Notice that, that wording. You have to perform to the Lord what you've sworn. That's, that's the criteria of don't swear falsely. If you're swearing to the Lord, you better do what you swear to the Lord. Now this is perfectly backed up in Leviticus 19 and in Numbers 30. Leviticus 19 says, You shall not swear by my name falsely and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. And Numbers 30, If a man vows a vow to the Lord, verse 2, or swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge, He shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. So you see these guys are are proclaiming very much what the scripture here says. Don't make a vow to the Lord that you're not going to keep. Uh, Don't make a vow in the name of the Lord to someone else that you're not going to keep. Perform what you have sworn to the Lord. Always do what you swear to God that you're going to do. And always do what you swear to someone else you're going to do if you swear in the name of the Lord. So their, their, their teaching is correct. But notice how once again it doesn't quite go far enough. The Old Testament does condemn breaking our vows to the Lord. Uh, It does condemn breaking our vows that are done in the name of the Lord. And we see that whenever we're doing that, we're calling for a curse to come upon us, right? We're saying, uh, if, if this isn't, if I'm not going to do this, may God do so to me and more also, right? That's kind of a phrase that we, we read in the Old Testament. May God curse me in some way uh, if I am lying or if I fail to keep my promises. Well, that sounds good. I mean, that sounds legitimate. That's, that's Old Testament. So what does Jesus have to say about this? Let's, let's keep reading. Verse 34 
He says, but I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, and do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make your hair white or black. Notice how Jesus, uh, he, he adds to their teaching. Their teaching is, don't swear falsely, and if you, you take an oath by the Lord, you got to keep it. And Jesus says, I say, don't take an oath by heaven, don't take an oath by earth, don't take an oath by Jerusalem, don't take an oath by your own head. Don't take oaths like you're taking oaths. That's the wrong way to take these oaths. Because if you take oaths in this way, you will be held accountable for your oaths. Essentially, Jesus says, if you make promises... God expects you to keep them, so you better stop making so many promises, so many commitments. Well, why does Jesus say this? I mean, all that they're saying is, you keep to the Lord what you have sworn. Why does he go into this about heaven and swearing by heaven and swearing by earth and swearing by Jerusalem and swearing by your own head? We might hear people say today, uh, I, I swear on my mother's grave, right? <laughs> we, hear, we hear statements like that. Jesus is, is adding to what they are talking about to talk about swearing at all, making an oath, making a promise, because the Jews have twisted it. Let's hold, hold your place here. Let's turn over to Matthew 23. Matthew 23. And understand a little bit more about what these guys are doing. In Matthew 23, um, Matthew reveals a little bit more about this because we might, we might struggle. We're not living 2,000 years ago. Uh, Matthew 23, verse 16. And we're going to read down through verse 22. He says, Woe to you, talking to the scribes and Pharisees, Woe to you, blind guides, who say, If anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools, for which is greater, the gold of the temple that, or the temple that has been made, who has made the gold sacred? And you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is bound by his oath. You blind men, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? So whoever swears by the altar swears by it and, every, and everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. You see how Jesus is uh, criticizing them for the very same thing that he starts talking about here. That they are swearing by the, the, the temple and they're saying, but I didn't swear by the gold on the temple so I don't have to pay the debt of the gold that I owe you because uh, you know I, I, didn't, I didn't swear by the gold of the temple. I just swore by the temple. And they're saying, I don't owe you the, the gift because I didn't swear by the gift. I swore by the altar. You see, they're, they're, they're crossing their fingers that whenever they're saying stuff. Or they're going back and they're, they're retracting what they've said. And they're making up rules as they go, like children, to get out of swearing. Get out of the things that they are tied to. Uh, and the responsibilities that they have in their oaths, in their, in their swearing, in their commitments. And so whenever we go back to Matthew 5, and we see the way that Jesus is talking to them, we see they are using these things in order to get away from what they have promised, in order to get away from the things that they are swearing. They have created a system 
in order to justify going back on their word and doing the opposite of the things that they say they will do in order to get out of trouble or in order to get out of paying someone and to take advantage of people. And this is what Jesus is condemning in this section. Uh, More so, you are swearing by heaven and you act like that's not a big deal. You're swearing by him who... Whose throne is in heaven whenever you do that? You know, it's, they're, they're making all these rules that don't really work, that don't really apply. Swearing an, an oath to God and, and swearing an oath by the temple or whatever is all the same in God's sight. Uh, and we must keep those vows. So as we read this, this is something that I've struggled with. Uh, is it wrong to swear? To, to, to take an oath. Notice what Jesus says, verse 34. Uh, I say to you, do not take an oath at all. Uh, and that, I've taken that as, okay, I can't, I can't take an oath. I don't swear at all. Uh, but whenever we look at it a little bit closer, we see he's, he's trying to wrap up this idea of their false teaching and what they're doing. And, and he's trying to encourage them to be more careful about their oath-taking. Don't be so flippant in taking an oath by heaven or by earth or all these other things. is not going to get you out of your oath. You better be careful whenever you take an oath. You better be sure that you are willing to commit to, to fulfilling the oath that you have entered into. I want to encourage you to, as you study the Bible, to harmonize that thought, that idea. Make sure it makes sense with the rest of scriptures. And and you kind of understand taking an oath is not a sin. Because God himself took an oath. (laughs) Hebrew writer, Hebrew 6 tells us that. He can swear by no one greater, so he swore by himself that uh, that Abraham would have as many descendants as the stars in the sky. So we see uh, oath-taking is not necessarily wrong. So when we go through the New Testament, we see Paul taking all these oaths and swearing all these things. This is not uh, Paul sinning as he's writing these these things. Jesus is not condemning oath-taking. In fact, uh, as Jesus is on trial in Matthew uh, 26, you see him uh, being adjured with God as witness, you know, that, that you, you testify, uh, you, you make an oath, you tell us what, whether you're the Christ or not. And that's the only time he breaks his silence. He actually speaks and tells them uh, that he, it is as you say, he is the Christ. So Jesus himself is willing to do this. So it's not so much about taking an oath is wrong, but it's about failing to keep the oaths that we take. In the Old Testament, God warns against breaking oaths. And he actually uh, tells Israel, commands Israel, when you swear, this is how you must swear. Deuteronomy 6 verse 13 uh, says, It is the Lord your God that you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. So he makes it clear. If you're going to swear, you swear by my name. So they're, they're swearing by heaven, by earth, by, by the temple, by the altar, by all these things. And God said in Deuteronomy, you swear by my name. Don't let there be any ambiguity in the oath that you're taking. You swear by my name. He said it again in Deuteronomy 10.20, you shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve Him and hold fast to Him, and by His name you shall swear. The picture is, You don't swear by anything else that you can then go back on your word. The tendency might be, as as Deuteronomy is full of all this talk about avoiding idols, the tendency might be, I swear by Baal, 
well, Baal's not a god, so I could break my oath, right? I mean, Baal's not going to curse my head, so that's, what does that even mean? So here God is saying, I am real. I will bring curses on you if you break your oath. You swear by my name and you don't break your oath. You keep the oaths that you take. Throughout Scripture, what we have is a warning against rash vows, rash oaths, rash promises. You look in the Old Testament, you see this over and over again, that Israel fails in many different ways. You see Joshua in, in Joshua 9 making an oath with the Gibeonites who come to him uh, with old clothing and with old bread, acting like they were from far away, saying, make a covenant with us that you won't take over our land and that you won't conquer us. And he makes a, com- he makes a covenant with them, an oath essentially, a promise that he won't do that. And then he finds out he's been, he's been duped, he's been deceived. But he keeps that oath, he keeps that promise. And it just means he's not able to enjoy the blessings that God wanted to give him because he took a rash vow and didn't go to the Lord before taking the covenant. Uh, and then Jephthah, one of the judges of Israel in, in Judges 11, makes an oath after uh, he conquers that I will give to, to God whatever comes out and meets me. And then his daughter comes out and meets him. And uh, it's like, you're going to sacrifice your daughter to God? And, and we kind of wonder about that. What, what happened there? Uh, but it seems as though whatever happened, he's no longer allowed to be with his daughter because of this rash vow he decided to make out of nowhere. Uh, we just studied Saul's food oath. In 1 Samuel 14, they're they're defeating the enemy, and then he makes an oath that we will not eat anything until we are done destroying these people. It's a rash oath. And then it turns out Jonathan ends up not hearing the oath, and he ends up eating something, and he's worthy of the curse. And they have to work that out. You see how these, these people are just making vows all the time. Even David himself makes this vow that he's going to destroy Nabal and all of his family. And, and you see that it was foolishness. There's these vows that keep coming up. We swear all the time for things that, that don't make any sense. That's, why, why are we swearing that? Why are, we, why are we swearing we're going to do that? Why are we swearing that, that, that we... We mean that whenever we don't mean that. Why are we calling for curses on ourselves when in fact we don't mean what we say? We're, we're being false. James says in James chapter 3 verse 2, We all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his own body. We need to be very careful about what we say whenever we swear specifically, whenever we, we have oaths. But, but more than that, we need to be careful about all the things that we say. If we, we say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call you this week, we need to be careful about uh, whether we mean that or not. And sometimes that's, that's a struggle for me. Uh, because I'm wanting to uh, agree to things, I'm wanting to help people and do all these things for people, and I don't realize my own limitations. And so sometimes we say things we don't really mean or say things without thinking them through. We do this a lot. Uh, and sometimes we want to persuade people of certain things. I want to persuade somebody I'm a good person and you can trust me. <laughs> or maybe we want to persuade somebody who we've wronged 50 times, I'm not going to do it anymore. And so we swear we're not going to do that anymore. As though swearing is now all of a sudden going to make it easier for us to keep our promises. Uh, so... 
We, we get caught up in a moment sometimes, our emotions get going, and then we make a swear, we make a covenant, we make an oath, we say we're going to do something that we have no intentions of doing or that we're going to fail to do. Uh, and the point here is, all of these things that we say we're going to do, we need to be careful to do them. We need to be careful to think about what we're saying before we say it. As James has, has said to us, uh, if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man. We have to be very careful about the words that we say uh, and be very careful about entering into uh, an oath or a covenant lightly, as though it's no big deal, as though, as though it's a frivolous thing. We don't want to just, to just swear to do something or by, by God to do something, as God is witness to do something whenever we have no intention of fulfilling it or without knowing this is, this is a huge deal now. This is something I'm committed to that I must now do. Uh, we see probably the saddest rash vow uh, in, in Matthew chapter 26 when Peter uh, is, is at the trial of Christ right outside and they ask him, are you, are you one of them? And he says, I'm, I don't know what you're talking about. And then he, he makes an oath. He says, I swear to God that I don't know this man. And then he says, uh, again, he says, he, he says, may I be cursed if I'm lying. You see how the emotions are, are just wrapped up and he's just speaking those words just out of the, the moment, the things that he's going through, that he will do something or won't do something. And he's not being careful with his words to be sure that what he says is the truth. We have to be committed people. Um, committed to honesty. We have to be people who, uh, who want to do everything that we say that we will do all the time. That's what Jesus is calling us to in this text. Uh, the last verse, verse 37 says, Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. There's, uh, the, the CSB gives a little bit more. It says, Let your yes mean yes. And your no mean no. I think that's getting to the point of what he's trying to say in this text. We need to be careful to make sure that what we say we really mean. And that we're really intending to do that thing. And that we're going to be committed to fulfilling what we say we will do. This is the most important thing to us. After we make those kind of statements. That we are going to fulfill what we say. Jesus wants people who have integrity. Jesus wants people who have no dishonesty in them whatsoever. He doesn't want us to, to say no when we mean maybe. He doesn't want us to say yes when we mean maybe. He wants us to speak what's really on our mind, what's really in our heart. Um, he wants us to be honest and open about what we're unable to do. This is something I find myself doing a lot. Uh, I find myself telling somebody I can do something that I cannot do. Or that I have done something that I, I don't know for sure if I've done. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not being honest with myself. I'm not projecting honesty in everything that I do. I'm not open and honest about who I really am if I'm acting that way. But if I'm honest and open and, and my yes really means yes. And people see, I say maybe when I really don't know. I don't just, just act like I know everything or act like I can do everything that they see that, then they, they understand that I don't really need to take an oath 
to be believable. I'm being honest. I'm being truthful. How many of us have, have fallen into this trap of, of saying that we are something that we're not to those around us, just in order to be thought well of? Instead of being open and honest because we're afraid of what they might think. I mean, you, you look at uh, our society all around us. Uh, we want everyone around us to be honest, to be open. We want our loved one who we love, we want them to truly love us. And when they say they will love us forever, we want them to be honest and truthful. And we want them to really fulfill that. We want our government to, to be honest, to be open with us, to tell us the truth about the things that are going on. And when they don't do that, we tend to not trust them. And we think they are corrupted and that they are operating in a way that's intended to take away from us rather than intended to do what's in our best interest. And we want openness. We want honesty. And, and the truth is, though, if they're open and honest with us, we might reject them. <laughs> you know, if they tell us the truth about how, how things really are, we might, we might judge them harshly and, and critically. We might crucify them for telling us the truth of the evils that they've done. Well, that's what we're afraid of too, isn't it? We're afraid of people judging us as we're open and honest about what's really going on in our lives. And so we need honesty in our government. We need honesty in our doctor's offices. We need honesty in our courtrooms, in our schools. We need honesty in our pulpits. We need honesty in our brethren and our family members. We need honesty in order to develop the relationship, in order to trust each other. We need honesty, but we're afraid to be honest. Because I don't know how someone else is going to take this. I don't know how this is going to work out. Uh, how can I really be honest with anybody? It just doesn't seem like it's practical, really, to be honest, to be that open to tell everybody the truth about everything that's going on. And really, I mean, we're going to get hung up all the time. There's going to be instances where we're going to be tempted uh, and, and we're, going to, we're going to want to bend the truth because it will benefit us, right? Bending the truth benefits us. It makes people think well of us. Uh, and, and so uh, people are making all these rules that we don't like, so we got to get around those rules in order to be okay, in order to get what we deserve, um, talking to people uh, who are very worldly, talking about uh, using 12 different email accounts to get free Netflix for a year. It's like, really? You, de you deserve free Netflix for a year, so I'm going to use 12 email accounts. It's like, honesty, integrity, uh, doing things that are truthful. Uh, why do we not? Why do we pursue things like that? Why do we see a little shortcut that can save us $10 and think it's worth it to, to tell this lie to save $10? Well, I deserve it. I need it. Uh, if it's $1,000, do we think I deserve it? I need it. It's just one little lie. It's just no big deal. Uh, nobody cares about that. But here we see Jesus cares about that. As he says, let your, let your yes mean yes, and your no mean no. What he's saying is, every word that comes out of our mouth must be true. We have all these opportunities to falsify our information, to project an image that is good and that is just, that I'm the good guy and I deserve all these good things. 
Satan is speaking in our ears, tempting us to, to get around the rules, to get what we want through lying. He's the father of lies. He's teaching us how to do that. But instead, we want to be shockingly, annoyingly honest about everything that we say and everything that we do. Um, I speak a lot, so this is going to be a big challenge for me. Uh, as I said at the beginning, uh, Jesus is not telling us easy things, and preaching on this is not an easy topic. Uh, this is not easy to, to be sure to think about every single decision that I make, every single commitment that I have for the things that I've committed myself to. How does my decision make that commitment work or not work? How does that decision go against my commitments to other people, to other things? Uh, I, I need to fulfill all of my commitments to the best extent that I can. I have, an, I have a commitment, a responsibility to raise my children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And I told Jenna that whenever uh, we were going to have kids. I was going to raise my children. I was going to be there for her. I was going to help raise those children. And that is a responsibility that I have that is continually before me. I have a responsibility to pay my mortgage. I signed a little document saying, I will pay this. So I have to pay it. Uh, I, I have all kinds of responsibilities. So if I have a responsibility to, to my children to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, guess what that means that I can't do? I can't spend all my time on Facebook, on Instagram, uh, binge-watching TV, surfing the Internet, going out playing with my friends, enjoying hobbies, and, and spending all this time at work. I can't do that stuff. That makes me dishonest to the commitment that I've made to be there to raise my children. I made a commitment to pay my mortgage. That means I can't be uh, one-click shopping all over Amazon and spending all my money so I can't afford to pay my mortgage. I have to do the things that line up with the commitments that I've made and be faithful to what I say. I have to be true to my word. I've made a commitment here. I've made a commitment to uh, encourage, uh, to build up the family that meets here. Uh, through study of the scriptures and, and to help, help you grow in love and knowledge and your commitment to the Lord. Uh, and I would not be faithful to that if I was in my office all day watching YouTube uh, or playing games or doing whatever it is that I could find myself to do. I wouldn't be honest to, to you if I did that. And no one here who has an employer is honest to their employer if they're at, at work browsing, doing other things rather than the work that they're getting paid to do. We must fulfill the work that we are getting paid to do uh, before any of those things ever take place. We must fulfill our commitments because we are here to be honest, truthful people. We have to give ourselves to these commitments because of the oaths that we have taken. We've taken oaths. If, if you're a Christian and you're here this morning, you've taken an oath. You've entered into a covenant I've got two covenants in my life. I made vows before, with God as my witness to my wife. I made vows to God before we married, actually, that if she would be mine, then I would be faithful to her. And I made vows on the wedding day that I would be faithful to her. And, and I made vows to God that I would love him and serve him with my life. These are vows. These are oaths that I've made that I'm not going to come back on. And all of the commitments in my life 
are revolving around these two central vows that I've made, these two commitments that are at the core of who I am. They are my identity. They make up everything that I'm going to do or not do, and it's all going to be done in light of these oaths that I've made before God that I am here to commit. I could change houses, I could change jobs, I could change hobbies, I could change regions of, of the USA, I could change, my own personality could change. But I'm holding on to the oaths that I've made to my wife and to my God. And that is before everything else that I do. That's who I am. If I lose those oaths, I don't know who I am. It's my identity. So, thinking about honesty thinking about uh, integrity, thinking about commitment, thinking about covenants, we need to ask ourselves, am I in a covenant with God? If we know that we are in this covenant, then as we hear these words from Jesus, essentially telling us, don't commit a single lie. Do not lie in your life. We have to take that seriously. We have to think about lying as this dirty thing that I want no part of. And when I slip and when I make a mistake and I'm dishonest and I say something I shouldn't have said because I get wrapped up in the moment or I, I do something wrong, he knows my frame, he knows every thought, he knows everything that's going on inside of me and I realize that he still loves me and I don't want to do that anymore. I turn away from the sin because this is who I am. I'm a child of God. I am, I am a covenant member of, of Christ's church. I'm receiving the blessings that God gives me, and they are so much more valuable to me than the benefits of that lie. And that's, what, that's the way we have to view it. Yeah, I could save $10 by telling a lie. <laughs> what is $10 to the blessings that God is promising those who love Him? What is that? That's nothing. How could I trade all that God wants to give me for something so small. Remember Jesus' words. It's been ringing in my ear over and over again throughout this week. Uh, what, what would a man exchange for his soul? What would a man give for his soul? If he gained the whole world and lost his soul, would it be worth it? It's not. We need to be people who are open and honest. We're submitting our lives to his will for us. And we're abhorring what is evil. The last words of Jesus is what I will end this sermon with. He says, anything more than saying yes and meaning yes, or saying no and meaning no, anything more than just speaking openly the truth and, not, and, and trying to boast of all these uh, swearing and oaths and everything like that all the time, anything more than that comes from evil. We shouldn't be making oaths. We shouldn't be swearing all these things. We make an oath, we really, really mean it. And we hold to it. And everything else we say is, an, is our intention to keep those commitments because of our oath to be honest, uh, to, to serve God faithfully in everything we do. If there's anybody here uh, this morning who has not partaken of the grace that God offers freely for each of us, uh, if, if you understand what Jesus says here and you're thinking, wow, this is... That's a huge commitment. Uh, and is anybody here really committing to that, to say, I'm not going to lie anymore ever in my life? 
the truth is we're going to struggle with this. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna have temptations. We're going to have trials. Uh, we're we're going we're gonna to really struggle to be open and honest because of the consequences of that. And it's not going to be easy, and we're going to make mistakes. But God loves us, and he wants to forgive us. But he wants to make us into uh, images of him that the world can see his glory, his righteousness. And if, if we will submit our lives to doing these things, to pursuing the righteousness that is like God, then he promises to give us an eternal home with him in heaven that is so much more worth any, any degree of suffering in this life or any degree of blessing that, that we might get through a dishonest life. So if you're willing to submit to his will and we can help you with that, uh, please come as we stand and sing.